I got an opportunity to go with our prime timers group to uh, down to Gatlinburg, and uh, we were we were there Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and we had a long trip back of being in the car. And while we were there, just lots of conversations coming up. And me and Dave McCauley were talking, and he, we were talking about going out on the lake and having boats and all this stuff. And my mind, while I'm sitting there by myself. Uh, I, I thought of a story that literally gave me the chills so bad that I literally shrugged. I mean, have you guys ever had something like that that has happened to you and it brings back a memory or a thought or whatever and you go, oh, you know, just like it, it overcomes your mind. And I know, I know, I know that I've told this story one or two times in here and, I, and I'm not trying to be a broken record or whatever, but it was something that affected me so bad. And I thought, man, that's exactly what I'm talking about in my message today. So while I'm going through this, Genesis chapter 37, if you have your Bibles or follow along in the screen, Genesis chapter 37, I'm going to take you through Genesis 37 and then through some other passages that follow that as well. So here we are, when I was a teenager, my brother Denny had a construction job and he would do all sorts of repair jobs and vinyl siding and things like that. Well, he had this guy that said, I don't have the money to pay you. But if you'll do this job for me, I'll give you this boat. Well, it was a boat that had sat for years in his backyard. Well, Denny didn't know. He just thought, I'm going to have a boat. So Denny ends up doing the work for this boat. And the boat had tons of issues. Me and Dave have told the stories in the past about being out on this boat. And the boat sunk. I mean, literally sunk. It completely went under the water except for the tops where the styrofoam was to make sure that it didn't. And I've told you guys that story. But this particular time we were out, it was spring. It's one of the first times to get the boat out. Well, Denny got the boat going good enough to be able to get out there and things like that. I don't know what all he rigged up to make it happen, but he made it happen. We're way out on this place called Smith Lake in Alabama. And then the boat died. And it didn't just die. We had no oars, no nothing. We weren't that prepared or organized whatsoever. And I just remember us standing in the boat forever. We were trying to uh, do this and change this. We weren't mechanics, but we were trying to mess with the boat enough to get it going. And we were way out in the middle of this lake and nothing, nothing worked. So finally we said, we're either going to be out here all day long or somebody's going to have to do something. So me and Dave were standing on the boat and we said, if we just swam the shore, we could go get somebody or go to one of these houses that have a boat or go to, you know, a marina around here or whatever and fix this situation. And so we have life preservers in the boat. And I said, I can swim a lot faster without a life preserver. And Dave said, me too. We were both really good swimmers. But the problem was... This, the, the air was warm, but the water was cold. If you've ever been out when the weather's changing and things like that, I didn't even think about that. I just knew I was a good swimmer. I could swim. So we jump out, no life preserver. We're swimming across. And then all of a sudden, when you're swimming in cold water, it affects you. I mean, it, it affect, we're, we're slowing down and we're getting weak and tired and, and all of a sudden we're running out of steam and we're, we're, we're getting nervous. And me and him are both trying to be really cool. We're so far out that we could see Denny as a little dot this way. When you turn around this way, we could see the shoreline and the docks as little. But, but it's, when you're out on water, it looks a lot different than, than when just being, being some there. That water gives that optical illusion of being closer than what it was. And then it both dawned on us. I can't go any further. And I remember, I can't remember who said it first. But I can't remember if it was Dave saying it to me or me saying it to Dave. But I was like, I can't swim anymore. And I, and I, and I know we, we tell funny stories and everything a lot. But let me tell you, in that moment, there was nothing funny. I legitimately, with all of my heart, was fully convinced that I was going to die. 
Now, I'm not going to spoil the end of the story, but I didn't, okay? I just wanted to put that out there because some of you are going to be at the edge of your seat going, I wonder how this ends. I didn't die, okay? Just put that out there. But I remember me and Dave swimming along. We started having these really deep conversations and like said, I can't, I can't do this anymore. He said, I'm running out of breath. I, I can't swim anymore. I can't go any further or whatever. And eventually what happened is Dave said, hey, roll over on your back. And I remember was just trying to do a dead man's float and trying to do it. Because if you're ever in a spot that you can't go forward, you can't go back, you can't touch bottom, you can't get out, there is nothing you can do. That is a very, it messes with your mind in a very weird way. I can't change this. I can't. And I remember us screaming across the thing, Denny, we need you. Denny, he couldn't hear us. Nobody on the shore could hear us. There was no other boats on the dock or, or on the lake or anywhere around us. There was nothing. All I had to do in my mind is think, I am going to die. Or I have to use Dave as a flotation device. One of the two things was going to have to happen. I, I, mom would not be happy with that. But it's amazing when you get in desperate situations like that, that you look from every angle and you say, there is not an end to this or there's nothing that my eyes can see that will fix this. I've talked with people that were going through a hard time. I've talked with people that are financially strapped or, or medically they, there's something going on with them or in, in life issues or job, job transfers or whatever. And you just say, and they meet with them and they say, Pastor Joni, I'm just being honest. We have looked at this from every single angle possible. There is absolutely nothing we can do. It's over. We cannot fix this. There's no light at the end of the tunnel. There's no fixing this. There's no getting out of it. We've used this kind of this illustration of the game of life that you go along and you get married and you have kids and then you cross these rows and there's troubles and problems or whatever. And I thought of the same thing with this where you're doing really well and then you have to pick up that chance card or whatever it is and say, do not pass, go. Do not collect $200, go directly to jail. You're like, stink. I don't, I don't have time for this. Not now. Or pay every player 50 bucks or, you know, lose a turn or whatever it is. And it's just not now. This background um, of this story, and I'll give you a lot of it because it's such a powerful passage. And I know a lot of you grew up hearing it, but some of you have not. I don't want to just skip through this. Jacob, who is now called Israel, or the children of Israel, or what our, or the nation is called after, is Jacob, his name was changed to Israel, was to be the father of many nations. He was blessed. I want you guys to hear this. He was blessed. He was chosen of God. He was used in a big way. He was doing what was right. All these things were given to him, and God, God blessed him with 12 sons. They were to be the 12 tribes of Israel. That's where this all started with. It was the promise of Abraham to Isaac, and then to Jacob. Jacob was the third in the line of that. You guys remember the story of Jacob, how he fell in love with a young girl named Rachel. He worked for seven years. Laban, the father-in-law, uh, tricked him. And then he ends up marrying Leah instead. And then he works seven more years. And then he marries Rachel. Rachel was the love of his life. God blessed him with two kids, but it was later in life. The other kids were from the other marriage uh, and, and contacts. But this was, he, Rachel had two children, Benjamin and Joseph. Now, the Bible is very clear that he showed partial, he was partial to them. 
uh, that, that this was the son that he waited for, these kids. He loved them. He favored them. Uh, in in the, the birth of Benjamin, Rachel dies. So all of a sudden, he has this greater bond with these two boys, the love of his life, the ones that died gave, or gave him birth to them, and he has this memory of them. Now, J- Jacob gave a special gift to show his love and bond to Joseph. as a coat of many colors, and there's a lot of stories and illustrations of that. It was a symbol of love. It was also a symbol of favoritism. Now, I'm not saying that was right, but I'm saying it was there. And it says in Genesis 37, verse 3, Now Israel loved Joseph more than his children because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a coat of many colors. Now you can imagine, just like any family, you cannot show favoritism and not have family drama, okay? It doesn't work, it doesn't work, it doesn't work. I know this because I was mom's favorite, and I had to deal with that all those years growing up. It wasn't right, but mom just liked the best kid, and that's natural for it to happen in a family. They hated Joseph. It says in verse 4, And when his brethren saw their father loved him more than his brethren, they hated him. He could not speak, uh, speak peaceably unto him because of all the things that have happened. To make matters worse, Joseph is being used by God, and he has this dream that he was going to rise up to be this leader. And he goes up to his brothers and says, Hey, guys, I had a dream. What was the dream about? Oh, I'd rise up to be uh, the leader, and you all would bow down to me. That does not help with brothers when the relationship is bad, okay? That just did not help at all. But he was just telling what God showed him, what God was doing in this. So Jacob sends uh, Joseph to check out his brothers, for they were taking care of his sheep. And the brothers saw him going, coming, and they plotted to kill him. It says in verse 18, and when they saw him afar off, even before he came near, they conspired against him to slay him. And they said one to another, behold, the dreamer cometh. They were making fun of him. They were mocking him. Come now, therefore, let us slay him and cast him into some pit, and we will say that some evil beast hath devoured him. And we shall see what will become of his dream. I want you guys to see the symbolism, because this is the world that we live in. You might be doing right. God has a plan for you. You you, you have all these good things in your life. But in the fact that you are in a world that is not good. It's not. People will plot against you. Sin, jealousy, anger, pride. And you're the victim of it. I'm saying this because it it is important for us to get that as we go through this story. That a lot of people say, Pastor Tony, my life is falling apart. But I'm I can't see what I'm doing wrong. It's not like I got off track. It's not like I'm running from God. I am not the story of Jonah. This does not make sense. It's the world that we live in. I tried to find a picture of this. I could not find a picture of this, but I thought of this as a visual. Imagine that you are in this stormy sea and it's all over the place. And that is the world. That is trouble. The world is up and down. It doesn't matter if you are saved or lost. You are in that ocean. You are in that water. All the perils of that water, all the trials and problems of that water are you're acceptable to them just like anybody else. But the difference is, is you have Jesus Christ. You, you have that life preserver. He's around you. He's with you. He said he'd never leave you. But that does not take you out of the water. It does not take you out of the storm. Jesus is with you. He keeps you afloat. He does not leave you, but you are just as much in the trouble of the world as everybody else. It's hard for us to understand that. Because why would a great God allow such horrible things to happen to me? Then they had an unexpected opportunity. They saw merchants traveling to Egypt. 
And they said, instead of just killing him, we could make some money off this dude and we could walk away with a little bit of bounty from this. It says in verse 31, and they took Joseph's coat and they killed a kid of the goats and they dipped the coat in blood. They killed this animal to cover Joseph's coat with animal blood. They cut up the coat to make it look like he'd been attacked by some wild animal. Verse 32, and they sent the coat of many colors and they brought it to their father and said, this have we found Know now whether it be thy son's coat or not. Now you just stop and think about that. Everything that's going on right now was a lie. It was a lie. The blood was not his blood. The shredding did not actually come from animals. They walk up to their father confused, like, oh my goodness, what happened? Is this your son's? They knew it was his son's. They ripped it off their son. You guys have to understand the part that you cannot see was a lie. What was happening behind the scenes of what's about to happen was all a lie. Satan is a liar. He's the father of it. He works through lies. It is what he does. What is happening is a setup, a planned emotional attack on Jacob. And Jacob's about to get some really, really bad emotional news. Watch how Jacob's mind begins to work because his mind working is the same as how our minds work, okay? This is, how, this is human nature. This is real life right here. This isn't fictitious. This isn't like we live in a spiritual bubble and God is good all the time, all the time God is good and I have no problems and, you know, we just clap to the songs and go through life. No, sometimes you question if God is good or not. And that's not one of those things you walk in the church saying, questioning God today. No, we want to do that. But in the back of your mind, you're thinking, man alive, this is not good. But buddy, it's going to get better. And then you take it never it's worse. It's not better. And then you take it, but, but wait till tomorrow. Holy cow, it's worse. And it gets worse and worse and worse. And you're thinking, where is God now? And he knew it and said, it is my son's coat. Now, here comes where your mind begins to race and be able to put the pictures together. Now, just from what you could see, like me and Dave being out on there, we're going to die. There's not a chance. There's not a boat. There's not a person. There's not a helicopter. There's nothing, nothing, nothing. Everything points to me dying. There's no way out of this. An evil beast hath devoured him. Joseph, without doubt, I know what happened. I can see right here. That is clearly what happened. Rent into pieces. Lie, 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 lie. None of it was true. But let's be real. From Jacob's perspective, it all made sense. And it was all truth. In your life, a lot of those situations... You're going through, and I know that spiritual attack and all these things that happen around us and God is good and all that, but when you get so many lies presented to you and they begin to add up, you begin to think the very worst. One of the things that happens inside of our lives is our minds begin to run with situations. Just like this, he saw all the clothes. He goes, surely he's rent to pieces. Surely he was ate by a beast. Surely, surely, without a doubt, that happened. Now, what happens in our lives, our minds will see a situation before long, we begin to play things out in our minds before they even happen. 
Guys, I mean, I'm telling you, with social media and email and all these things and text messages and phones and all this other stuff, well, that, that happens in marriages all the time. This is what happens. You know, you get, um, you know, your, your husband's busy and he's disconnected and you try to do something sweet and he doesn't acknowledge it or whatever. And then all of a sudden you're thinking, huh, I, 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 he, he's been on his phone lately. I bet, you, I bet you he's texting some girl. You know, he mentioned that one girl that one time. I bet you right now. Oh, I bet you're coming home late from work. Where are you at, big boy? And, he just, and before long, everything is just falling apart. And he's running off to Bermuda with some girl. And it's all in your head. None of it happened. And before long, when your husband gets home, you're in a bad mood. And you're, he's wondering what's wrong with you. And you're sitting there, made up this whole situation that has altered your way of thinking. We do this with our health. Man, I feel bad. And somebody comes up and says, you know, that's how I felt right before I got cancer. Oh my goodness, I have cancer. By the end of the day, you're planning your funeral out. You say, that doesn't happen. Let me tell you, your mind runs with stuff all the time. A lot of times we deal with worry about things that are not even happening. It's based on truth that is not even there. Our minds have manufactured it. Our brains have reigned with it. And Satan the whole time is just fanning the flames of it. That's right. Get stressed out. Get mad at him when he gets home. That way you guys are fighting. And before long, things happen that should have never happened. This is where depression comes from and anxiety and many other things that is very present in our day and age today. Now here's the thing. It's a feeling. Our feelings take control of us. It's, it's, our, our feelings make us change our, our way of uh, thinking and our way of acting. Was it as bad as it appeared? I'm going to ask you guys, was it, a, was it as bad as it appeared in this story? Yes or no? No. But here's, here's what we're going to illustrate through this, okay? In life, we say it's not. You know why? Because you're looking at this way of the story. You're looking at it going, Jacob, dude, it's amazing. It's an awesome story. Dude, embrace it. Love it. God is good. But it's different when you're at this end of the story. You guys know what I'm saying? It, when you're going through all that stuff, it's not that great. Because your perspective, he's sitting there warn, mourning this coat of many colors with his blood all over it. And he's thinking, my son is gone. I, 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 this is the way that it is. But we're over there sitting there saying, looking at the story, saying, it's wonderful. Not from where you're at. Not from where you're at. Watch this, it gets worse. Verse 35, and all his sons and his daughters rose up to comfort him. But he refused to be comforted. That ties into what Pastor Joe preached on last week. God has people in your life for a reason when you're going through it. Because sometimes people can see things from a perspective that you can't. And they speak reason to you. Now his feelings are now affecting his family. He, his mental health. He's rejecting his family. And he said, for I will go down. Listen to what he says. This is how it changed him. I will go down into the grave unto my son mourning. Thus, his father wept for him. He literally said, I will die with this pain. Now, guys, that, that is true. And in, in our lives, if you lost a child, it's not one of those things that you just get over with. But the idea that he was pushing everything away, and he's saying the way that I feel or the defeat that I have will never change. That's the lie part. The lie is how you feel or what you're dealing with will never change. I can't be happy. I'll never get out of this. And there are some things that are true in life, okay? 
There are sometimes that you'll, you'll never get that job back. That divorce will never be reversed. You can't uh, undo that affair. That, that, that lost one that you love, that you love them so much, won't change. But the feeling that Satan comes up and says, you'll be now miserable for the rest of your life is a lie. The feeling that I will go to the rest of my life with that feeling will never change. I'll never be happy again. I'll never have joy again. I'll never be used again. I'll never, I'll, I'll never love again. That will never happen. This is how the game ends. This is how the story's over. Jacob. I would not want to be Jacob. But I think if Jacob was to preach this message to us today, I think he would explain to us his perspective of what was going on. Now, as we study this passage, let's do it through their eyes of understanding, not here, okay? Because this is, this is we are, we're, we're in 2019, we're reading, we flip to Genesis chapter 50 and go, oh, it's all good, it's all good, don't worry about it. But we're, we're not there. We're at the beginning of it, which is where a lot of you are right now in this story of not understanding what's happening. Coming from someone that's been there, Jacob would tell you that God is working in ways that you cannot see or understand. Because I, I, I want you to get that right now. You say, Pastor Tony, you have no idea what I'm dealing with. You're right, I don't. But this is what I can guarantee you. At the beginning of this story, wherever you're at, with those feelings and emotions and being overwhelmed and giving up, with whatever it is of kids, family, business, job, whatever it is, you have the feeling that this will not get better. And I'm here to tell you this, that God is working in ways that you cannot see and you don't understand promise you but you're in the middle of that lake right now saying no way no way you knew how I felt and by the way this feeling right here is where people get when they take their lives I'm talking about good church going fathers, mothers, teenagers, single people, servants of God that you get and say, if I have to feel this way for the rest of my life, I would rather be dead. And here's the lies that come into your head. My family would be better off without me. I feel worthless. I feel empty. I feel aggravated all the time. I can't stand feeling this way. It's hard. People ask me questions and they'll come into my office and, or, or, or meet with me in church or whatever and they'll spell it out to me and they'll tell me all these things and I am like, crushed in my heart and then they'll ask me straightforward they'll say pastor tony can you see god in any of this i want to say oh yeah right there buddy well, I, I i totally see it and i have to come back and say i don't i don't can you explain to me, Pastor Tony, what God is doing to take this or do this or move this or whatever? And I have to come back and say, I can't. Can you explain to me why I've asked God in my prayers to change this, change this, change this? Please, God, please, God, please, God, please, God. How many times do I have to say, please, God? How many times do I have to pray? How many times do I have to fast? How many times do I have to beg, please, God, Pastor Tony, before God answers my prayer. I don't know. I don't know. Because God works in ways 
that I cannot see and I don't always understand. That's why you have to trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Do you know why he said with all thine heart? Because that's where the emotions come in. I feel so. What is it? God says, whoa, 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 wait. You have the trust. That's why he says hide God's word in your heart. You have to lean on something that is stronger than your emotions because your emotions are all over the place. It's like a waterbed. I mean, you're never going to get stability out of that. But Jesus Christ is the rock that you lean on because he is stronger than that. So let me show you. This is, here's Jacob. He has no idea. He's standing there in that spot. I cannot see God working. I cannot feel God working. I cannot understand what God is doing. And now I'm going to show you, just pull back the curtain as we walk through here to say, watch what's happening in this story. Here's the first thing. God is at work when you have an uncomfortable move. God is at work when you have an uncomfortable move. Imagine being Joseph. You're in a pit, literally in a pit, okay? Betrayed by your family. It's not like you can cry out hoping somebody that loves you comes by. The ones that love you are the ones that put you there. Sitting there thinking this is bad, but just like a lot of us, well, at least it can't get worse. Verse 28 then passed the Midianites, the merchantmen, and they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver, and they brought Joseph into Egypt. Now we sit there and say, oh, wow, oh, praise Jesus. God is setting him up to do a miraculous thing. You wouldn't be thinking that if you were in that cage looking at your brothers as they're counting their coins. Where are we going? To Egypt. You mean the pagan land that worships false gods, that my God's not there? Then I'm leaving my family, my heritage, my home, my religion, my dad, my brother, everything that I have? God is good all the time. It was not coming out of his lips in that situation. And here's he's thinking, and I've done nothing wrong. Here's the truth. Because there is no way to make sense of this. Because you can't see what God sees and you can't know what God knows. And the reason being is if God told you, it would scare you to death anyways. You think about that. You say, I'm just asking God for an answer. And God looks down and says, don't tell him. He would never be able to handle it. In your life right now, if, if, if Joseph was, if God says, Joseph, here's what's going to happen. You're going to be sold to Potiphar. His wife is going to betray you. You're going to go to prison. You're going to be betrayed in there and all this other stuff. Do you think he'd be like, woohoo, bring it on? <laughs> no. If God told you what was next, some of you would just give up on the spot. He knows. God knows what you can handle, and he only gives you what you can handle. God knows. The fact is this. Sometimes things do not make sense to the end of the story. Do you understand that? Sometimes things don't make sense to the end of the story, and the reason why things don't make sense in your life right now is because you're in the middle or the beginning of the story. And this is a perfect illustration of this. To the end of the chapter... See, sometimes God allows you to be moved in uncomfortable ways because he knows that you would may, never make that move yourself. By the way, I'm going to uh, just uh, tell you this. God wanted, God needed Joseph in Egypt. There are some places that God needs you to be and you're never going to get up tomorrow and go there because God, you, you know in your mind that will never work. I'll never make it. I don't want to do that. God, I'll make up every excuse in the book. I don't want to go there. And God does this. Okay. Boop. 
And all of a sudden, you're, you're in a spot going, whoa, I don't want to be here. God says, I know, but I need you there. And the only way to get there is I had to push you here. So here he is. God will move you in places that are uncomfortable. Here's the second thing. God, will, God is at work when, you, when we are stuck. Now notice the, the wording of this passage is Genesis 37, 36. In the midnight, sold him, sold him into, the, into Egypt unto Potiphar and an officer of Potiphar's, or uh, Pharaoh's, the captain of the guard. Sold him. There was no job interview. There's no job fair. There was no options. He wakes up in another country and he wakes up as a slave, as a servant. You know, you, you get in, put into situations and you say, I didn't ask for this job. I didn't ask to be put in this position. I didn't ask for this extra responsibility. I didn't ask for this. God, I'm stuck. God, where are you at? What are you doing in here? I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and God never gave me an answer. This does not make sense. Now we have to fast forward a little bit in this story, but Genesis 39 verse 2 is the same thing because we jumped out of, we went back to Joseph and his brothers or Joseph's brothers and we come back to his story in verse 2 or chapter uh, 39 verse 2 and the Lord was with Joseph. I'm going to show you that's the common factor in all of this story where he comes out and God was with him. Just keep this in your mind as we're going through this. That storm where all those things are going around, the sharks are going around your feet, the thunder and lightning, and the waves are coming in, and he's, going, he's hanging on to that life preserver. That's you, okay? You're like, I don't like this, but he knew through the course of that that I'm okay because God is with me. And the Lord was with him, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. He was stuck, but God was at work. Here's the third thing. God is at work when life is unfair. These are, these are just things that are happening in our life as well. God placed him in this home. God had a reason, but Joseph could not see it. Verse 7, and it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph. I want to say this. I always say that God is at work, but let me tell you, so is Satan. All the time, all the time, Satan is at work. Through temptations, through the lust of the flesh, through the lust of the eyes, through the pride of life. Satan is always setting traps or snares before us to do what he wants to do. Perfect illustration is he said, lie with me. Here he is, Joseph is targeted. But he refused and said unto his master's wife, Behold my master, what if not? What is with me in the house? And he hath, com he hath committed all that he hath into my hand, and there is none greater in his house than I, neither hath he kept back anything from me, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Now, the reason why I'm pointing this out, you have to understand when he was stuck, the illustration that God is showing us here is that God, listen, was blessing him for doing right, but he could not see it. Because that's the thing that's happening, saying, Pastor Tony, if God would just point out to me what I'm doing wrong, if God would just show me what I'm doing wrong, I'd fix it. Joseph was not doing anything wrong. Matter of fact, Joseph was excelling to do right. And that's when life doesn't make sense. God, if I'm doing wrong, show me, correct me, spank me. But God just showed me. But I don't understand why this is falling apart when I'm doing right. Man, this, does, this, this just boggles our mind. Because the thing is, God is at work when things do not make sense. Joseph is probably thinking, I dealt with disappointment and betrayal already. But why, when will it ever stop? 
Verse 10, and it came to pass as she spake to Joseph day and night that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. And it came to pass about this time that Joseph went unto the house to do his business. And there was none in the house, none of the men of the house there within. And she caught him by the garment saying, lie with me. And he left his garments in her, in her hand and fled and got him out. And it came to pass as she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and was fled forth, that she called unto the men of her house and spake unto them, saying, See, he hath brought a Hebrew unto us to mock us. He came unto me to lie with me, and I cried a loud voice. And it came to pass, as he heard and lifted up his voice and cried, that he left his garment with me and fled and got him out. And she laid up his garment by, uh, garment by her until, until his Lord came home. When the husband came home, he lied to, about Joseph, with his authority that he had put into his life, he places him in prison. And life goes from bad to worse. You guys, there's, there's light at the end of the tunnel, and you're sitting there saying, there is no light. There's not even a speck shining through at all. It gets worse, actually. It's downhill, Pastor Tony. It's downhill. Instead of the light at the end of the tunnel, there's more problems. Why does bad come from doing good? Explain that one to me, Pastor. Why does bad come from, because I can read you verses. Blessed are they that do this, and blessed are they that follow God. And God, this does not add up. Verse 21, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the innkeeper of the prison. Now, I, I, I can't explain this. I can't. But all of a sudden, in that story, it goes from problem to problem to problem, but every step of the way that the Bible says that God was with him. Verse, chapter 40, verse 1, And it came to pass after these things that the butler, the king of the king of Egypt, and the baker had offended their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was wroth against two of his officers, and against the chief of the butlers, and against the chief of the office, or chief of the baker, and put them inward of the house of the captain of the guard into the prison, to the place where Joseph was bound. They had a dream, and Joseph interprets the dream. For the butler, it was good news. For the baker, the prediction was that he was going to die. They were released, and they promised Joseph on their way out. They said, we will never forget this. Dude, got your back, all right? I got your back, man. I'm going to help you through this. Don't worry about it. I know you're stuck. I know you're in here. Man, you, I've heard your story. You've had, a, you've had a bad history. Man, things are about to change. I'm getting out of here. Things are about to change. Things are about to go up. You know, people come into your life and you're thinking, thank you, God. Thank you for the break. This job is going to be perfect. That friend's going to be perfect. That relationship, this is it. Chapter 40, verse 23. Yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forgot him. Yay. God is at work when you feel betrayed or forgotten. Because people will let you down. All of these things are real life and they're part of all of our lives. And no, they don't add up and they don't make sense. And you don't know why. You can get 20 Christians around you saying, all right, we're all going to fast and pray. We're going to figure this out. God's going to show me the answer, and I'm finally going to have a breakthrough. I don't care if I have to go on this. I just need an answer why. And they all walk back and say, we still don't know. It still does not make sense. God says in Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. 
So I want you to understand, here's Jacob's there. My son is gone. I'm going to die. All these things are happening. We peek back in the curtains of this, and we see what God is doing through this story. Jacob doesn't know any of this. Jacob is thinking it's over. He's depressed. He's going through this. He's mourning. He's upset. Now, the Bible tells us in Jeremiah 29, God says, well, let me tell you something. I know what this looks like. I know where I'm taking you. Whatever you're going through, there's an end to it. There's an answer for it. There's, there's an objective. God doesn't just torture you. He doesn't just put you through things. He doesn't turn his back on you. You know what that is? That is all the lies that we begin to believe at the beginning. God doesn't care. God doesn't answer. And God's working through all of those things. But we cannot see it. But when we look back, God is working things out for our good. Okay, from this perspective, God works in ways that I cannot understand or see. But I want you to look, when you get to the end of it, this is the only time that sometimes you look back and you can say, God was working everything out for good. And I'm going to show this to you. I'm going to prove to you that Scripture actually brings this out in here. Romans 8.28, we say this all the time, for, for we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are the called according to His purpose. How we misinterpret that Scripture it does not say that all things are good and work together. It says all things work together. Literally meaning betrayal of your brothers, being betrayed by Potiphar's wife, being enslaved in that situation, being thrown in the prison, being betrayed by the butler that said he'd not forget you. All these things. God said this. All of those bad things that do not make sense to you will work together for good. But at the end of the day, God is good, and the things that are happening will work together for good. So Pharaoh has this dream. No one could interpret the dream. And all of a sudden, and in the time of God, the butler remembered that Joseph had interpreted his dream when he was in prison. Genesis 41, 14, And Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon, and shaved himself, and he changed his raiment, and he came in unto Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I have dreamed a dream, and there is none that can interpret it. I have heard... Uh, say of thee that thou canst understand a dream to interpret it. And Joseph answered, saying, It is not in me. God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. All of these things brought it to the point where Joseph is standing before the head guy, before Pharaoh. Joseph explains to him that famine is coming. They'll have so many years to prepare and so many years of famine to follow. Joseph's family ends up in a desperate situation within those years of famine. They traveled to Egypt to encounter their brother. They, they, they encountered Joseph, but they didn't know that it was him. Joseph ends up saving his family, and he later unveils who he is. Now listen to this. Now this is one of the most important passages of this entire thing that brings us all together as you're looking back in the story. In Genesis chapter 50, 19, Joseph unveils one of the most powerful things for you to understand everything that was going on. I want you to read this, either in your Bible or on the screen. And Joseph said, you can imagine, their fear trembling. They're wondering what's going to happen. Joseph already unveiled himself to them. They're waiting for it. You're going to strike us dead. You're going to do something to us. And Joseph said unto them, fear not, for I, for I in this, the place of God, but it's for you, he thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring it to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. 
Now, I'm going to point out something in this passage that you need to understand. You need to understand everything that's going on in your life. And that is the phrase, but God meant it. But God meant it. That Hebrew phrase literally means in that passage to weave or to fabricate. Okay? God meant it. Now, if we just said God was doing something, but to weave, and if you've ever saw something, a basket or, or, or clothing or whatever, it's woven together. He said that what they're doing is evil, 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 all the way across. Potiphar's wife, the brothers, everything that's going on. But what wasn't going this way, the other way, God was doing good. God was doing good. God was doing good. And a lot of times in our life, our lives are weaved together with things that don't make sense. But in the middle of a crooked, messed up world, there is a great God doing great things all the time. Amen. Say, I don't see it. Yet. Yet. You don't see it yet. Because Joseph could not see it yet. But we must remember that God is good through all of this. We, we go from why me to oh wow. But it doesn't happen overnight. Here's the two points of this. God is good through what he does. Look back. You see good. You can't always see good while you're there. God moved because there was something that he needed you. And I'm going to walk you back through this story and show, point this out to you, what was going on through this. As God was moving them around, God was doing good all the time. God is working in your life right now. Do you guys understand? God is working in the middle of that tough situation. God places him in Potiphar's house. He said, what good was happening there? Potiphar turns around and he says, I don't know who you are, but I know the God that you worship is blessing you through there. God's light was shining in a dark situation. They throw him in the prison. In the middle of that, he encounters two people that are down and out alone and felt like they were going to die. They were going to die. And God walks this Christian in the middle of a place. You say you're stuck, and God says, no, I have a reason and a purpose for that. I am doing good in the middle of you being stuck at that job or stuck at that hospital or stuck in that room. God had something that he was doing because all of a sudden, two guys that thought, we're going to die in here, nobody loves us, and there is no guy. Jo Joseph walks in and says, hi, guys, I'm Joseph. God was doing good. When they forgot about him, God did not forget him because God's timing is perfect. God's timing is always perfect. God's timing showed up in the middle of that because God knew at the right time that they were having that dream. Oh, I remembered a guy. I remembered a guy that told me a dream. They brought him out and stood him before there. You realize that everything that God was doing, God was doing good, but they did not understand through the middle of that. God is doing good with you right now. And you sit there and say, I don't understand. It's just that you're not there yet. God does good through what he does, but listen, God brings good through what he does. Now, this is the big overarching part of the story over here. Just a few verses back or in chapter 47, uh, 45, verse 7, and God sent me before you to preserve you of prosperity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. The mission of God is happening around us all the time. And I thought about this. You say, I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying. I have a graduation party or whatever it is. I have a family reunion. God, I'm going to come before you right now. I'm going to ask you not the rain. God, I need you. I, I need it, not the rain. God, I've spent money on so much. I, I've rented a tent. God, I have family coming. I have no space in my house. I, I cannot handle these people in my house. God, please do not let it rain. The morning comes and it pours and it rains. 
and all your decorations are wet and everything in the backyard and you're saying, God, I thought you cared about me and I thought God answers prayers and I thought my God was bigger than my circumstances. One mile down the road, there's a farmer. God, if it doesn't rain, I'm going to lose everything. God, this farm is all I have and these crops are on the verge of dying. God, I need you to do something that I can't do for myself. God, I need you to send the rain. See, the thing is, you don't know what's happening around you. You don't know what God is doing and why. Because that farmer and all that he has in his family was a little more important than your decorations getting wet on that day. If those brothers did not betray him, he would have not gone to Egypt. If he did not step into Potiphar's house, he would have not met his wife. He would not have been betrayed and placed in prison. He's not placed in prison. He would have never met the butler. If he didn't meet the butler, he would have never gone before Pharaoh. If he didn't go before Pharaoh, he would never interpret his dream. If he didn't interpret his dream, he would have never known about the famine. The famine struck Jacob and his family. But God had a plan. Joseph saves the, the, the bounty of all that they had for all those years to save them. Joseph's brothers come in and he saves them. Now the tribe of Israel is preserved because of what God did through all the bad. Through the tribe of Israel comes Jesus Christ who came to save us from our sins. God is at work right now. Right now. Say, I can't see it. I don't know how it happened. Here I am in the middle of that lake and me and Dave are having this heart-to-heart conversation. Two grown men doing this back paddle in the middle of this water. And I said, Dave, I said, you know, if something doesn't happen, we're both going to die. I mean, we're both going to die. And a few minutes of us laying in that water and doing all that stuff and just trying to keep our heads above water, all of a sudden we hear this noise and somehow Denny got the boat to run. And right at that time where we thought, this is it, we're going to die, the boat comes right around and he pulls us up and we had a great day. You say, how did that happen? I don't know. I couldn't see it. I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't point to it. All I know is that God had a plan. And God was good. Guys, God is good all the time. And your problems and your family and whatever is going on, I just want you to know that God is good and God is working. God is good and God is working. But if you're going to leave the lie, some of us are still at home with Jacob. It's over. Nothing can change this. This is his coat, and it's covered in blood, and I'm going to die and go to my grave grieving over the loss of my boy. I didn't get a chance to read the passage, but Joseph gets up there and says, Make haste. Go get my father. Bring him here. By the way, he'll never starve. He'll never go hungry. He'll never have a need for the rest of his life. Tell him that his son lives. Tell him that God has provided. Tell him to come home, that everything is taken care of. He went from, oh, woe is me, to living high on the hog. You have no idea how your circumstances are going to change. You have no idea what is down the road in your problems.